0: Welcome back to the Mysteria Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Marcus Da Silva. I am very pleased to introduce today's guest, one Ms. Stephanie Sia. Uh, So this podcast was recorded back in March or April, and I just ended up hanging on to this podcast just by circumstance, I suppose. And uh, so it took a little while to get it out, but I'm very pleased to be releasing this episode for you all to enjoy now. Uh, Steph is a busy bee. She, she does uh, a lot of different things. And one of the projects that she has is her own podcast called Stripped by Sia, which is, uh, available on, you know, all your major podcast streaming services. Uh, every Sunday she releases a new episode. So she has that consistency down, which is something I myself have to work on a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I digress. Uh, so the the primary focus of the conversation that you are about to hear centers around her podcast, which has to do with different topics and fields within the sex work uh, or sex workers and uh, the sex work industry. Um, so we talk about, well, first of all, we talk about what is sex work, you know, defining that, trying to actually understand what it is uh, that. You know, what does that mean? Uh, we talk about the, the rise of OnlyFans during COVID uh, quarantining and just kind of online content creation in general. Getting into talking about employment status and ramifications for sex workers, uh, fetishization of minorities. And then we also touch on policies and uh, just laws within Canada and in other jurisdictions and we also talk about her experience at the avn awards uh for which her podcast was nominated for one which was very cool and she's a very humble person so uh i know she was sort of a bit surprised by that or at least the, you know and it's like oh come on you do good work though you know so uh, it's always uh it's always a breath of fresh air to be around people like that so yeah so we get into a lot of different topics uh this is the first kind of i i uh I've done a lot of episodes, but I am I think I can say for certain that uh, this is sort of the first time we step into um, some more sexual and sensual topics. That should be the tagline for the episode, actually. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just figured I'd just kind of throw that out there. Um, I wouldn't say this is a sexually explicit episode. You know, we keep it academic and, you know, we, we get into it as far as trying to actually understand you know, and explore some of the topics and ideas uh, that we get into. Um, But I guess maybe some of the language uh, is kind of stuff that hasn't normally been said on the podcast. So I figure if you're, um, you know, maybe just listen to it with headphones on (laughs) instead of a speaker. But uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot and listening back to it, uh, it was really great to listen to just because you get to pick up on little different things and you hear things differently and you get to think about things, um, especially because this conversation occurred so many months ago and things have changed in the interim and you get to reflect on that. So um, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot from her. She's an excellent speaker, she's a great podcast host. Uh, so I have no doubt that you will all enjoy this episode as much as I did. And I think we'll just kind of get into it. So without further ado, uh, please enjoy some intro music provided by Matthew Sloan, a previous guest, and then my conversation with Steph Sia. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Alrighty folks, welcome back to the Mysteria podcast. I'm Marcus Da Silva and I'm very happy to be joined by Steph Sia. Hello. (laughs) I'm like, how do I say the last name again? I'm like, want to be sure I get it right.
1: That's perfect.
0: Um, we're fighting with the, we're, we're on camera today, but I've been fighting with the, the lighting in here. So if it's, if it's not great, my bad, I'm doing my best, but the, the quality of the show is there as always. So
1: It'll be good. I hope.
0: <laughs> that's all. That's all we need. So you're a very interesting individual. You do a lot of different things. You're the host. Well, you're the host of a couple things. Uh, Sia slurps, uh, which is your YouTube uh, food show. Yes. Uh, host of the podcast Stripped by Sia. You're a digital creator. You're a pole dance instructor. You're a marketing consultant. We got a whole bunch of stuff going on. All good stuff.
1: All the things, yes.
0: So we're, we're going to get into, uh, I think most of it, uh, which is, I mean, you're a very interesting individual anyway, so I'm interested <laughs> in you as a person entirely, but specifically, uh, your podcast is fantastic. Thank you. Um, we we had a very quick turnaround, so we were only introduced about a couple weeks ago. Yes. So in that time, I did my best to, uh, I basically just sampled um, a handful of episodes uh, just to get a feel for what it is that you do and the approach that you take to podcasting um, all of which is fantastic and I think you're doing a great job and you even got an AVN nomination I so did. cool so jealous <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> did not know that's that gonna happen but yes very exciting and very humbled that that happens so
0: and so how long have you been doing the podcast for
1: yeah. So I've been doing Stripped by CS since uh, 2019. That was, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a, almost three and a half years at this point. Mm-hmm. And basically I got into that because one, I'm a huge podcast nerd. So I've just Good. Been listening a lot back when I used to commute in an office, just listening in, you know, tuning everyone else out. But I knew that I always wanted to start a podcast. Um, but I just didn't know what. Right. I had, like, an idea of, like, okay, like, I work in hospitality at the time. Um, I work in hospitality. We should do a podcast about, like, servers and, like, y- sorry, is swearing aloud on the show? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, all <laughs> good. Say what you want. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. should have said that. that so, like- yeah. <laughs> I try to cover myself all the time because I, I use the, I, I say fuck like a comma, so it's very <laughs> difficult for me to be on camera and not sound like a trucker all the time, but no, go no, for me it. too.
1: Well, well, yeah, I was thinking about, like, okay, we'll we'll do a, um, a podcast on, like, serving and bitching about the industry and, like, stupid things that customers order and say, yada, yada. I was like, now, nah, like, I don't want to do that. Um, but it wasn't until I was dancing at the penthouse, which is my home, well, well one of my home clubs back in the time, because I'm also a dancer, and one of my regulars was like, hey, like, strippers are so cool like they're such fantastic people they have all these interesting lives like you guys are like influencers you have so many followers on instagram and like there's so many interesting stories behind each dancer
0: and personality
1: and personality yes so many untold stories and that statement kind of really stuck with me and Mm. i was like yeah that is really cool and you have something there and i think this is going to be it so literally two weeks after that is when i started the show
0: Oh, right on. So you just <laughs> yeah. went for it.
1: just went for it. That's good. Yeah, I just got like a logo made quick, really quickly with a friend of mine and got the music made and then just started bringing all my friends on <laughs> and then started talking about all the things.
0: That's how I started.
1: Yeah. You start
0: with who you know and yeah. then you branch out from there. Exactly. You know, that's it. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, so the, the one episode of yours that I listened to in its entirety, uh, or actually I think I was 10 minutes short, but... <laughs> We'll round up. It's okay. Um, So you did a a guest lecture at SFU, and I I guess it was 2019 or 2020 when you did that one? Yeah. Um, Because you're also talking about COVID at the time, and I was listening. I'm like, COVID? I'm like, what? You know, so like, oh, yeah, it must have been a little while ago. Uh, But you also did, you had a criminology degree from Simon Fraser.
1: Yes. Yeah, criminology degree and a gender studies minor. Right. Yes.
0: And the focus of that guest lecture um, among lots of topics that you got into and also it sounds like um, with your podcast in general um, having to do with destigmatizing the sex industry and and just actually understanding what that is because Mm -hmm. the amount of diversity that falls under the umbrella of sex industry or sex work Mm -hmm. is incredible to me because it seems to me that there's far more diversity within the people under that umbrella than there is outside.
1: Oh, Um, huge, huge.
0: So, I mean, I guess just kind of, we'll kind of just sort of get into a bit of the the weeds of it, and then we'll kind of, we'll branch (laughs) outwards um, as we do here. But I mean, maybe just talking about, uh, let's, you know, let's go right into stripping. Let's do that. (laughs) Just jump right in. (laughs) Um, so so there was one question that you raised in your own lecture, uh, I guess kind of like the, the thesis of that discussion, Mm -hmm. um, which is why are strippers only seen in one light and why hasn't the narrative been challenged? So let's start from there. I got my own thoughts on this too, so I'm not just putting it all on you, but (laughs) I'll throw it to you to start. We'll start there.
1: Well, okay. So with stripping, um, it's kind of an interesting part of the industry, at least how I see it. I actually mm-hmm. feel that strippers, and this is my own personal opinion. Yep. I feel that strippers are so far removed from the rest of the sex work umbrella. Okay. Which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really feel like sex work in general is very um, homogenous and, and cohesive, and we really do stick together. But um, and this is something that we'll talk about later too. But I feel like there's something called the hierarchy, which is something that we know in our industry as like, um, if I'm comparing it to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like a top-down approach in terms of like, okay, the non-contact forms of sex work are at the top. So you might find stripping at the top, you might find camming at the top, and it kind of works its way down to ones that have more and more contact. And it depends on which kind of... um, Version of the hierarchy that you're looking at because there are a, a few different kinds. But for, Such a uh, funny
0: word too. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that's a good that's a good one. I like it's clever. But it's good, yeah. Though. It's clever. Whoever
1: like penned it there, and there are a few different people that have their own versions of it. But of course. for example, for the point of this interview, we'll go with say Cammings at the top because you have you know a barrier between your screen and your fans and whatnot. And then maybe stripping might be underneath that. Um, so there, there might be some contact, depending on the club that you are in. Sometimes you don't have contact. And then it can kind of go down there from other forms of sex work where there is, like, indoor sex work, and then at the bottom would be outdoor survival sex work. Right. So um, with stripping and why I brought up the hierarchy, I, I just feel like sometimes there's a lot of – and I've heard this before – in locker room banter at the club <laughs> that I work at, um, they would say, like, oh, no, like, I would not consider myself a sex worker. Okay. It's a lot of that rejection that I've heard multiple times from many of my peers and some of them who I consider close friends, um, that sheer rejection of it. Um, and I wildly disagree with that because... This, stripping is definitely a form of sex work for sure, and I know that you're probably curious about, and this is something that I, I say in my guest lectures, what is sex work? Yeah. Um, and for myself and my own kind of definition of that, it's an exchange as a sexualized service, or can be very sensual even, um, in exchange for either money, power, affluence, gifts, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever your arrangement might be. Um. So that's kind of like how I would determine it because there are so many different kinds of work underneath that umbrella. But sometimes people just think, and this, again, going back to hierarchy, would just think that, okay, you have to actually be having sex right. for it to be deemed as sex work. And that's like some kind of, in my, in my opinion, old school way of thinking, like my mom thinks it's like that too. Like, well, it's prostitution. Right. And I'm like, well, no, there's actually like a lot of different corners of the industry that you might not be exposed to that is still considered and categorized under that umbrella. So,
0: And the key word that you said, and when I heard it on the lecture, I was like, oh, so subtle, but so significant. Sexualized, yeah, not sexual.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Very important distinction, because yeah. just as you said, there's so many l- layers to that and, and different types and sensual too. Mm-hmm. Um, I even know there's, I don't know what it's called. It makes me laugh like crazy. Cause it's just, as a guy, it's so funny, what? but there's a, there's, I don't know what the kink is, but it has to do with really, really rich guys who will send their credit card details to, <laughs> and, and the point of it is for the, for the woman to like Really take them to the cleaners, oh, and yeah. they get off on that, that and it just makes. I mean, that's that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, not in a shaming way, but I'm just like, ah, oh, that's just great, you know. It's it just, is just great, it and make, it makes me laugh because I'm like,
1: domination. that's it,
0: that's yes. it. Or but I'm like, feminine oh,
1: domination. It's so,
0: but it's just yeah. My sense yeah. of humor thinks it's great, but but that um, there's no contact. I mean, generally speaking, there's no contact there. Um, there's clearly no sexual acts. Yes. But there is sexual gratification, certainly on from one party,
1: mm-hmm. maybe
0: both, but certainly on the one side. Um, so then, like, what would you classify that as? But then that's yeah. why sexualized yeah. encompasses centralized
1: that. Or sensualized or centralized. as well, because like, mm-hmm. even stuff like, um, and then we're really coming into some corners of, like, different kinks and niches, mm-hmm. cuddling, professional cuddling can be one of them as well. Yeah, that's but, fascinating. Which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, I have a client of mine who has mouth fetish and I'm literally just eating food and <laughs> seriously. And then the You're camera. Like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Is great for me. Cause I love eating. I love food.
0: You got a YouTube show on I it. It's a right YouTube up your alley. Show. That's it.
1: Exactly. So there's so many different, um, areas of sex work that people might not think about at the top of their head. That's right. So, so yeah.
0: And uh, that was the other thing as well. So when your peers are saying that they they reject that idea of um, being labeled as sex workers, what's the rationale behind that? Is that just because they the word itself is they feel it's stigmatized or stereotyped?
1: I definitely say, and I'm just maybe making assumptions. I don't know the full reasoning behind sure. them because I can't speak for them, but the contact that I was getting from them is like, yes, there's a lot of stigma that comes with it. But also going back to what we said earlier about like, well, I'm not actually having any sex with right. these people, but you are mimicking a sexualized behavior through your dance, through your performances on stage, mm-hmm. very sexual behavior. You're getting naked on stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's <laughs> so many different types of form of dance that I've seen and that I have done as well that, that emulate, um, Sexual activity, right? So, but yeah, it's a lot of that rejection. Like, no, I don't want to be involved with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to be labeled as such. But that goes into like internalized, like rejection and internalized, like, okay, whorephobia is another term as Mm -hmm. well. Like, I don't want to be part of that group of people because of the work that is highly stigmatized. So, and I also went through that as well, like, for. For about five years, struggling with my own internalized homophobia of I don't want to be part of that crew, but obviously now like <laughs> my opinions have definitely changed. I've learned a lot as well, and now I'm definitely proud to be a sex worker, and it's changed my life. <laughs> well,
0: and what's interesting too is, and now you're getting into hosting a podcast that discusses these topics. So I wouldn't imagine that when you were going through that period of time of like struggling with that internal identity, that you would have mm-hmm. even been able. To host the podcast, you might have been able to do it, but you probably wouldn't be able to do as good of a job as you do now.
1: Oh, totally, yeah, and honestly, I maybe the podcast has really helped me, like, really understand better and just I don't know, like, work through the things that I was my like I myself was struggling with before, mm-hmm. um, and just have a firmer understanding of the work and how complex the issues that we face as marginalized human beings. And that' what we go through so that's why i started the show actually is because i really wanted to uh eliminate or at least as much as i can yeah. eliminate and destigmatize the work because as you know our work is very very stigmatized and people generally don't understand our line of work and society slaps on these labels and there's so many stereotypes as we were saying before and going back to your question like there's so many um negative connotations that come with stripping or just sex work in general that we need to dispel in order for us to really understand like this is a legitimized form of work people need to take it seriously and just see it it as any other type of job so
0: it's interesting too when it comes to uh, Things that make people uncomfortable Right Mm -hmm. and certainly talking about this type of work uh, People just get uncomfortable with it for whatever reason and generally I would say that has to do with they got their own internal thing going on. Oh yeah. In in yeah. relation to that topic, and so their discomfort that's coming outwardly is really just a reflection of that internal discomfort. Oh, definitely. Um, like even just simple things like, like just how many. Um, like war movies and like, kind of taking a bit of a different approach because I've had a number of uh, Mac V Sog Vietnam veterans on. They were talking about off the air. (laughs) And one of the discussions that um, Roger, the now three time guest was talking about with his children was that, you know, there's actually a time and a place where war is necessary. And like to have that conversation of like, you mean there's a time when killing people is necessary? How uncomfortable you Mm -hmm. get, but it's a necessary thing to discuss. Not like I'm trying to draw parallels between those two things, other than just the fact that talking about the differences and, uh, oh, you know, sex workers are people. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Oh, they have thoughts and feelings and desires and, oh yeah. What a shock. Totally. It's so funny, but it's like, but it makes you uncomfortable. It's like,
1: oh. People get uncomfortable (laughs) on things and concepts that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that's where these assumptions start to, like, you know, pile in and stuff, and people will have their own opinions on on stuff that they don't understand. And it's really problematic when these kind of ideas are kind of being put in place in terms of, like, people in power, people in legislation, people... (laughs)
0: Certainly. They're policymakers, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Because, you know, they don't have any lived experience in the work, um, they never actually consulted mm-hmm. with people that are in the work as well. So it's just like, why are you even being the one in charge to make these decisions for us? And why are you the ones that, why are you the ones that are speaking for us and erasing our voices in the process? So there's definitely a bigger picture element of it because sex work is so dehumanized, yep. and people forget that. Okay, at the end of the day, as you mentioned. We are humans and have feelings and are not just like sex dolls and, and, yeah, stuff objects, like that. and yeah. objects, right? So it's just like, I'm just trying to like, you know, provide a transparent approach to what sex work actually is and give the opportunity to, for people to share the story, basically. So, yeah.
0: We'll touch on, I got a note on that to talk about um, <laughs> the, the legislation policymaker aspect because I got my own opinions on that too um, that get me a little fired up, which is always good. Yes. And I'm good. on my second coffee of the day, so I'm going to get real <laughs> fired up real quick, which is great. Um, but before I get into that, um, just one thing I'm curious about. So as far as COVID was interesting too, because uh, OnlyFans was a word, whether or not people knew really what it was, but it was a word that was like wildly, um, spread throughout the social psyche um, because the number of users skyrocketed and the number of consumers skyrocketed.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, So that
0: was interesting. So at least it got the public talking about it and on an international basis too, which was interesting. Yes. Um,
1: Very mainstream during that time.
0: Yeah. And so that occurred, Uh, but I'm just curious from your own personal experience um, from dancing or what was the first thing that you got into that I guess would classify as sex work? Was it digital creation?
1: No, uh, sugaring was my first right. entry okay. point into sex work. So, or sorry, I should say, I should say being a sugar baby. Right. Because sugaring can mean a lot of things. Sure. So not, the, not the waxing type yeah, the hair removal type, but being a sugar baby was my first entry point, I guess, 10 years ago now. Oh my gosh, 10 years ago. Seems crazy. Um, yeah, so if you're not familiar with what sugaring or sugar baby or what a sugar daddy is, maybe you, you've heard the term, not really understanding what it is, but basically... Um, Usually, in most contexts, there'll be an older, affluent gentleman that is seeking typically younger people, usually younger women of the college age variety to exchange um, like companionship dates um, or sex, which is 99% of it.
0: It is. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely for it's sure. That oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And that's not—I don't know if that's a real statistic, but like the underlying elephant in the room that no one ever talks about is the sexual aspect of that. And I was one of those naive people that went on the site thinking like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go on these dates and get paid, right. and you know, just do all that." But then no, no one or nothing prepared me for. Um, with all the messages I would get from all these men thinking like, okay, well, what's your rate? Um, how much do you want for this? Oh, that Pay-per open about date. it. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Some were really discreet and would really beat around the bush, okay. but, but some would be really like, okay, i like, <laughs> oh, I want this and I want to do this and I want to see this, this many times per week or this many times per month oh, wow. for this rate. So basically how I got introduced to that, basically this is during the age where like Tinder was around and okay. it just started exploding back in the day when that was during its inception. And one of my roommates at the time, because I had just gone out of this big breakup, was like, oh, you should try seeking arrangement. Like, you know, our other, our other mutual friend is on it. And she, that's how she got like her boobs paid for and blah, blah, blah. And so you could get paid and go on these dates. I was like, oh, perfect! Um, I love older guys, so let's do it. Right? Like, <laughs> literally, with the motivation. I was like, okay, one, I want to try all the restaurants that I like cannot afford. Two, I love all older guys, and three, I gotta get paid. So I started an account, and then if you've never been on Seeking Arrangement, it's basically you're like setting up like a dating profile. Okay. Um, so you can do like your height, the color of your eyes, the color of your hair, and all this stuff. You can write a description about like who you are in your own words and terms, and you can kind of like um, put in a bracket of how much money you want per month or per whatever. And the same thing goes on profiles that the men would make as well. You can kind of see what their net worth is. And, and I don't know how much of that is like fabricated or whatever, but they can put that on there. And of course they can write like what they're seeking and whatnot. So um, I got on the site, started chatting with all these men and very quickly understood like okay there is a very very large sexual nature to this and this is where like i was like oh i don't know if i'm comfortable with that Mm -hmm. but like one i would like some money (laughs) and two um i'm really interested in exploring this so but for myself at the time i was really again not viewing that as work and not understanding what boundaries were. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have any boundaries at the time. Cause like when there's like a bunch of money being dangled in front of your face, it's like, okay, like, do I do the thing for X amount of hundreds or thousands of dollars? Or do I say no and then, you know, miss out on this opportunity? So I feel like, and this is my own personal experience again, because I just feel it can be very predatory Right. And um, young girls. And I wasn't even that young. I was like 24, 25. Still, though. Which is considered yeah. old on that website, um, which is crazy because they, they really market towards like fresh out of high school
0: that's crazy to me. It's crazy That it's to marketed towards that yeah. demographic. That's, like, that concerns me. They literally
1: yeah. had a campaign. Um, like, Seeking Arrangement had a campaign. Um, if you use your, like, at edu, like, dot edu email, then you can get a premium account that you <sighs> oh, should shit. have to pay for. Seriously. That was, like, a thing oh, during man. my time. It's nuts. So, but then that falls um, for, like, a lot of women to fall into a lot of predatory and manipulative um, behavior from men and can get them into some really dire situations, but but yeah, that was my entry, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my very initial entry into sex work, that it just kind of went from there, so I went to stripping after that, and then digital content creation, like an OnlyFans page, and then now I'm, I'm also camming, so, but you'll find, if you talk to a lot of sex workers, that we tend to dip our toes in many different things, yeah. and we are doing a lot of things as well.
0: But yeah, understanding that uh, it's generally not just one avenue. Uh, It'll be multiple, and and, which makes sense, though, because they sort of lend themselves to each other, like stripping or pole dancing, Mm -hmm. and then that can kind of get into, you know, you can even monetize an Instagram account off that or a YouTube account or get into camming and OnlyFans and different things like that. So there is at least a bit of a logical progression from a business standpoint I think that's the emphasis there. Business. Yeah. This is, this is work. It's work. Yeah. This isn't, totally. you know. Yeah. Not
1: just a side hustle. And maybe it is the side hustle for a lot of people. But and it's still work. But yeah. But it's still work. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff in the back end that people don't see. Like all the administrative stuff that you have to do for your OnlyFans account and yep. the marketing. And that's a huge chunk of your time too. And also just going back on that piece of like, you know, dipping our toes in a lot of different areas. Not just like a natural progression, but also really smart in terms of diversifying your your different means of income that's coming in. Because it's really hard, uh, and people are the hard way, if you're just putting all of your eggs in a basket. And we were talking before the show, like pre-recording, that, you know, your accounts can get suspended. Um, things can get wiped out in the blink of an eye. And then how do you rebuild that yeah. following after that? That's tragic. It's hard. It's happened to so many of my friends and I mean, knock and wood, hopefully not me, but it's important for you to, yeah, diversify um, where you're finding your fans and also just have other means of income as well, not just like the one platform. And that was a thing that really came up during COVID Mm -hmm. as well, because, like, well, one, a lot of in person work disappeared. Yeah. Okay. So that just was. Yeah, instantly. That was just it. Yep. We're done. (laughs) <laughs> We're done, exactly, including myself. Like, all the clubs shut down and whatnot. And luckily, I already had an OnlyFans account for, like, almost a year before COVID. Um But then there was a... That's why you had a huge influx, and that's why everyone was talking about OnlyFans, because, like, it was a really easy... Easy! Right. In quotation uh, marks a way to make money. Um, But I will definitely say it's not easy. <laughs> no, no.
0: It, it yeah. sounds actually quite... um Because even when Nadia was telling me about her OnlyFans, I'm like, oh, my God. It sounds stressful because I'm really not considering I'm in the podcasting sphere. I really don't like that social media marketing stuff. It's stressful to me. I find it just like. I hate that stuff, too. And when I realized how much of it is administrative and um, marketing, uh, because how else is anyone going to find you? They need to know who you are to find you. Yes. Um, because the number of people, number of users, oh my
1: gosh. you know, so you can saturated. Get,
0: get lost so in the saturated. shuffle quick. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, just trying to like navigate through that. Um, and then having to create content that's consistent and original, Yeah. you know, so there, there really is a lot of different elements to it. And then you're also dealing from like an employment perspective, Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess maybe more so towards uh, stripping than the online creation. But then you get into: Are you an employee? or Are you subcontractor? Oh, subcontractor yeah. So then that opens up a whole can of worms, where <laughs> yes. you know there's there's uh, financial ramifications to those distinctions.
1: Oh yeah, and that's a huge <laughs> topic as well, especially yeah, on the topic of like employee status versus independent contractor, and that's like a huge uh, topic. <laughs> right now especially in the world of stripping because a lot of people actually are still against you know i don't really want that i love to have the flexibility i get from being an independent contractor and that that is a huge draw um for those who are in the industry because it, we want to be able to have flexibility in our schedules we want to be able to come in whenever we want etc etc but there's also the other side which i personally like too it's, it's like well okay if we can get benefits if we can have like an actual like paycheck that's really cool too and have that legitimization that comes with that like that for me in the long in the long run and in the bigger picture is a lot more valuable but yeah there's still like a big pushback from folks in the industry especially in in dancing that don't want that as well um and i know there's a big Stripper strike, uh, unionizing, um, movement happening right now in California, um, that I'm hoping to get some people to talk about that in my show. Cause I'm like, tell me what's going on down there. Cause that's something that we're not seeing here. Right. Yeah. Which is
0: speaking of that. So when I was, um, so I took employment law and uh, final year of uh, law. And so that's when like gig economy, I never even heard of that term until yeah. I took the course. um, so that's kind of what started getting the gears turning for me, and because I've always been interested in, in the industry, like porn industry, and the uh, and stripping, and just kind of understanding. Um, it, it's kind of like like sort of my vibe towards that. It's it's sort of the dirty little secret that everybody is curious about, but no one will admit. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it just sort of seems to be that way to me. Um, yeah. Even just when you think about how many people watch that type of content. Um, it's uh, pretty much everybody, um, you know, so it's like, it's something that like we all know, but no one wants to be willing to discuss. And when we were discussing like from an employment perspective, um, so like that distinction between employee versus, um, I can't remember the term, but independent contractor. And there's of course benefits and negatives to, you know, each distinction. Um, but it had to do, so, you know, we're studying cases about, uh, you know, electricians, a uh, b- couple of really big ones were Uber. Uber had oh, yeah, a- in England and Europe, these really big, um, important cases that actually had pretty pretty serious ramifications um, in other areas. But then that's when I started thinking, I'm like, how would this affect a uh, OnlyFans creator or a porn star or yeah. um, stripper? Because it's like are they employees or are they not? And then I started thinking as well, like talking about how that um, sugar baby website is literally (laughs) marketing itself towards these really young girls who I guess are adults. But I mean, I know, I mean, I'm still an idiot and I'm 26, right? (laughs) I mean, I was a way bigger idiot when I was that young, right? So when when I think about it in terms like that, it's, you know, not necessarily they're at risk, but I come from the perspective of, are they really being compensated and taken care of for the work that they're creating that's where i that's yeah. where my mentality is right um so i'm curious maybe not necessarily on the actual business aspect but kind of speaking more towards the the stigmatization or lack thereof you can tell me um as the industries evolved um, or industries that fall under the sex work umbrella or at least the ones that you're involved in that you can speak to um how has that evolved over you know I guess the 10-ish years that you've been aware of like are people more kind of open and understanding and and kind of the other layer to that as well as you're Canadian but your heritage is Asian.
1: And I'm interested oh, in
0: that too, because, um, that's topic. you, you did a podcast, um, with Cindy Starfall
1: Yeah. and yeah, that
0: was like right. one of the first things that the two of you got into was oh, the, yeah. the fetid,
1: this word, thank you. <laughs> um,
0: particular, well, I, I guess of exotic. Uh,
1: yes. And I hate that word. Right. <laughs>
0: of so, exotic
1: people, aka Asian people. Yeah.
0: So oh. I know I'm throwing like five questions at you lo- loaded in there, but we'll, <laughs> no, we'll pick them okay. apart.
1: <laughs> So, going on the fetishization aspect, yes, it is true. People of Asian descent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, getting pumped yes. up.
0: All right, big breath, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: so spicy about this topic. Um, yes, it is true that Asian folks like myself tend to get fetishized by typically cis white men unfortunately that this just it's just fact (laughs) um and it's really problematic because again based on stereotypes Mm -hmm. that we are submissive hardworking all these like typical things that you hear of but that's also like submissive in the way that we can be manipulated or some asian some people think that asians are like freaks in like the bed or like whatever in the bedroom or whatever it is it's just one really disgusting uh two makes me feel really uncomfortable because they only see us as these objects and they only see us for this one thing Mm. and I've definitely had conversations if you you could even call them conversations (laughs) (laughs) they're not conversations it's just very um I don't I don't so many words negative words in my mind that just come to mind you can
0: use them It's okay yeah it's just really filthy
1: (laughs) it's really filthy it's greasy it's like very like scumbag it's a very
0: canadian word Yeah. (laughs) all the brits and americans are like greasy (laughs) that's right
1: it's just gross because like the amount of times i've had conversations where people come up to me say like at the club for example and they like oh are you filipina and i'm just like if that's how you're greeting me already. like even
0: Yeah, yeah, to open. That's your opener. O- that's
1: your opener? <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is not going to go yeah. well. Hey, what are you? What are
0: you? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate just so it. It's so
1: gross. because They're like, oh, well... And they try to relate to you in the fact. They're like, oh, I used to date a Filipina. Or I've been to the Philippines. Have you ever been to Barakai before? I'm just like... <laughs> This is not going to work.
0: Like, isn't that the same thing as, like, oh, I have a black friend too? It's like, oh my God, what? (laughs) What Why are are you saying that?
1: Yeah, it's so frustrating. So it's just.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So ignorant. It's so bad. It (laughs) is. And it's so
1: ignorant, as you mentioned. And it's just very problematic because, like, they're just trying to perpetuate this stereotype that is just like, okay, well, let's just try to get past that. And just, why don't you get to know me as person because i actually have a personality and i'm not just um i'm just not only labeled by my ethnicity and a lot of times that's the only thing that they see and this goes along with like yellow fever too even not even sex work related but also dating i haven't heard
0: that term in a, in a long, long time, time But that take, that's height <laughs> that takes me back to high school days yeah yeah, yeah no that's true that That's takes, so funny. I forgot about that. It takes
1: me back to my dating days because like I've definitely dated some folks where <laughs> they have only dated me or tried to go on a date with me because I was Asian. But it was just gross. And and it goes along with those conversations about like, oh, are you Filipina? It starts it's all rooted in that. Yeah. But they're not seeing you as like an individual and you're only What are your
0: hobbies? Like
1: yeah. I am just like, there's so many. What are many
0: you? It's <laughs> two different. So
1: problematic. So, yeah, like Cindy and I definitely bonded over that because she's also gone through similar things. And even the word exotic, because that is also intertwined in those conversations right. as well. That being a problematic term as well, because that's actually like a racist term uh, from back in the day, because to describe black and brown bodies. Yeah. Um, and all obviously that's also rooted with like the term exotic dancer because historically they were black and brown women that were dancing right. for folks, usually white folks. Um,
0: and related to yellow fever, the highly offensive jungle fever. Yeah, oh my I've gosh. heard that before. I've I'm like, heard that in a long holy time, too. crap, that's aggressive.
1: So bad. Yeah, Just so bad. So yeah, I mean, um, and it's a thing with sex work because you see a lot of the stereotypical things in porn, you know, like with tight Asian pussy and like, <laughs> yeah. and like just the the, the, the pairing of like um, black men and big, big black hawks and like um, tight Asian pussy and all the stuff that is just like, can we stop trying to perpetuate that?
0: And it's really aggressive. <laughs> Like that, yeah. that's kind of like, like even hearing, hearing, reading it and hearing, hearing it, it, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, it, it's it's the the level of, they're very, um, and look, I know people, and I'm really against like the, the PC, you know, shut, some words are acceptable, some words are not. Like I get really for a whole other can of worms that we're not going to get into today, but <laughs> I, I don't like that. I get uncomfortable with that. Yeah. But there's a difference between wanting to cancel words, but and then understanding that there are words or phrases or expressions that are like really charged with aggression. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a distinction, like even just like that how many porn videos are labeled that? a lot, a lot or yeah. variations of that a lot. Yeah. And it's just this really charged um, terminology that, like why is it even sticking around because it is strong it's strong so that so in order to sort of move away from that you also need strong pushback because it's just inherent to the nature of those phrases or words or what have you
1: yeah they're Um, so popular though too so popular Um, and a lot of it is marketing right but like why do we have to market things in that kind of way Is i don't know that's my opinion it's just like oh can we and even then does it
0: really need that much marketing (laughs)
1: No right, because
0: like you're on a porn site. What, what do we? What do we need? You're here. You're already here. Yeah. What do we need to? Yeah, you know, to that degree at least, right? Yeah. So that gets interesting.
1: Yeah, and like the amount of times that I've gotten um, approach for race play, which I don't know is you know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a lot of <laughs> the tone <laughs> change. Oh yes, <laughs> I've never goes, heard that. Goes along with fetishization, um, race okay. play. Um, how I would describe it is. A role play with two specific races and it could be whatever you want but um, again say and I hate to even talk about this but like say it is a white man playing wanting to have some kind of role play with a black model or creator and trying to play on racist Scenarios. Oh,
0: it's wild. I don't even
1: want to say, it makes me so uncomfortable to even speak about that.
0: I, 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 you know, I know where, where going, you're going. Yeah. yeah do you yeah. know where I'm
1: going? That, that and along with like Asian things as well and mm-hmm. being subservient and stuff too, is just like, I do not do that. I do not do that. And it's so disturbing that people would even want that because again, that's just feeding into problematic mm-hmm. narratives that are, that are still just sticking around and, I just feel like we need to unravel that personally, but yeah, these are.
0: And what's so things. interesting about that. So like, again, this is the first <laughs> time I've even really heard of that. So I'm like just instantly trying to put things together, but it's interesting how, um, like a stereotype, um, the CEO who's uh, submissive, uh-huh. right? So prior yeah. pri- in their private life, they're submissive and that's what they like and that's their thing and good for them. Um, but they're, outward personality is the exact opposite. opposite Cause yeah. to be a CEO, you gotta, you're pretty high on the aggression scale and totally. da, da da Not aggression in a negative way, but just assertiveness.
1: Assertive, yes. Would be
0: the personality trait for that. Uh, but when you th- hear something like that, where it's like race plate to me, um, that is actually a reflection of like, man, you actually are probably a racist.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what like, that's that, where like, I'm getting at.
0: Like you actually, like this isn't like a joke or a game or yeah. like, th- two different things, fantasy, like, no, this actually is likely a reflection of
1: some real bad
0: personality traits
1: that, you you know,
0: who you are. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. And that's why I just like to stray away from that because it's just like, Ugh, I don't want to feed into your racist behavior and like contribute to that. Cause like we don't, we don't need any more racist people in the world.
0: No, we got enough.
1: Yeah, we got enough. But anyway, sorry about that huge tangent.
0: <laughs> no, 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 good. This, well, I'm about to go on one here, so <laughs> we'll, we'll trade back and forth. But so relating to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about like sort of the legal side. So like the policy, um, oh, or yes. just in general. Um, so what was interesting. So cause I went to university in England so England already, and, and we're West Coast Canadians, so we are way more chill than yes. what's east of us. Yeah. But even Canadians are pretty laid back. Yeah, um, more so than Americans, and even though we're all very close to each other <laughs> geographically, um, but so and the university that I went to in the area that I went to is a little more posh, a little more conservative. I've never seen so many white people in one place. It made me laugh. I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> Um, you know, coming from Vancouver, of course. (laughs) But, um, so once we kind of got into like kind of third year, we're on our way out the door. What I started to observe. So, you know, some of my classmates, some of the people that I met are the best people I have ever met, um, or in different years, the best people I've ever met, but I met a lot of them who are the absolute they're scumbags, so I would um, never, if they were drowning, I'd likely throw them an anvil. Like, they're just <laughs> bad people, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's everywhere, right? I mean, <laughs> we all have stories like that. Yeah. Um, but what I, what was sort of relating to this one thing that you said in the, the SFU lecture, and I think you actually already said it um, earlier, which was that um, those who regulate sex work, so the policymakers. makers. Yeah have no knowledge of the industry yeah. or their knowledge is firsthand experience that they won't admit to, right? <laughs> it's just like the, you know, the so anti true. the anti-gay politician who's a closeted gay. Yes. Right? Yes. You know? So much I mean that. that's happens all, all the time. The time. <laughs> yes. um, so it's it's that. And and in which case not only even though they do uh, use those services, it's likely wrapped up in shame and guilt. So the policies that they're going to enact are not going to be friendly to the so, people that they get services from. It's going to be, be negative, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not uh, consulting. They won't consult, generally speaking. Yes. Um, and I found from just sort of my observations of, of the people that I was, again, a more conservative group of individuals, yeah. particularly the Brits. Um, it kind of made me laugh because I'm like, man, these people for the ones that were going into more government style jobs, you know, they're, they're the least open-minded. Yeah. The ones who are generally the most open-minded attorneys are private practice, mm-hmm. generally. I mean, that's kind of anecdotal, but I think that rings true. Totally. But those are the people that you need on your side,
1: yeah. especially
0: as seeking advocacy. Those are the ones that you want. Totally. Um, and those are the ones that can at least go out and argue for some, for some policy change. Yeah. Um, if they're not the ones making the policy. Um, and I find that a lot of it really had to do with, um, a little quick tangent, but even like this one particular Supreme court justice, Lady Hale, right. For the Brits, man, this woman drove me nuts because like there, she's brilliant. And there's some cases where I'm like, nah, she's make, making some sense. And then there's other instances that I found her bias was really against, she really had a thing against men. Like she, someone hurt her because the, uh-huh. the the judgments and the things that she would say and her judgments were shocking wow. to me because I'm like, no one's picking up on this like I'm in a tutorial, and I'm like,
1: <laughs> "Why am I the only one
0: upset? you know this is crazy <laughs> like no one's gonna point this out um, but you know, just again, reflecting that something happened to her or someone she knows and and she's in a position of power to take it out on and and what I would say were very unfair and really horrible judgments on her part. Oh, um, no. cause my university really had a thing for her, which is why oh, I, I can, I don't know why, God. like she, wow. she was a speaker and stuff, but I'm like, man, if I ever had an opportunity, I'd be like, what the hell's your problem lady? <laughs> you know, get that Canadian out of here. You're thrown out. <laughs> um, so enough of me rattling on here, but reason I'm bringing this up, I'm curious. So from your experiences firsthand, um, or observations, firsthand observations, and you've had a number of podcast guests um, who are sort of in the advocacy legal yeah. agents, you know. Um, so I'm curious if you could share the things that you've learned from them. Um, what's the trend been? Has there been improvements in protecting workers, or at least, um, or if you can call them workers, um, stigmatizing, uh, just kind of Give us the temperature gauge
1: of of that side. It's cold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great. Next question.
1: (laughs) It's yeah. It's icy for sure. Mm. Um, So in Canada, Bill C36 is the legislation that we have here surrounding sex work and prostitution laws. And that's icy cold.
0: That was 36.
1: Yeah. 36. 36. Yeah. Yeah, You got it. Um, And that was, Again, introduced during uh, when was this? Twenty fourteen, when uh, Stephen Harper. I was going to
0: say, I'm like eh, that sounds like him. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like his. He's
1: conservative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you'll soon Notice a trend here, but conservative government introduced that. And um, he
0: was quite conservative. Yeah. Even by Canadian standards, he actually was yeah. fairly conservative on, yeah. on some on most things. Very
1: but. conservative, and I no, actually like. I actually think that this law even preceded that, but. Um, and no, don't quote me forever on these. Sure. I was so bad at the, my, my statistics. But um, yeah, so this is basically like the Nordic model. So a lot of like okay. Scandinavian countries would also adopt this as well. But criminalizes the purchase of sex, um, which is basically trying to push for the. Um,
0: That's a description. Yeah. So what does that mean?
1: it's partial it sounds people, very vague like, yeah and well, that's a thing oh my gosh <laughs> paying All for sex laws. what the
0: hell does that mean that All sounds vague. the
1: laws are so gray yeah and they make it purposely hard for people to digest the information but well basically... and for the politicians
0: to dip in there too and
1: that too because like no one freaking <laughs> understands this stuff so it's call m- me
0: cynical but i don't know I'm, <laughs> i don't know I'm just, i might be onto something
1: <laughs> it's basically an end demand model so by trying to criminalize the um purchase of sex they're trying sure. to eliminate sex work as a whole but we all know that doesn't work mm-hmm. it actually just pushes the work further underground right. which um, endangers sex workers because they don't have places to one advertise they don't have any filters or, or ways to filter out their clients so putting them more in harm's way um, it even prov- like provides barriers now to entry in terms of like setting up a bank account, really, um... Yeah,
0: what do you do housing? for a living? Ugh, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: stuff like that is already like, nope, 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 it's all red flags for them. So even stuff yeah, like opening up a bank account or finding adequate housing can mm-hmm. be really impossible for sex workers. So that's one thing, just here in Canada, that's one thing, um... In the States, you know something like FOSTA-SESTA, which is introduced... Um, Say that again? FOSTA-SESTA, which no, is Fighting on, um, fighting Online Sex Trafficking Act, FOSTA. Okay. Um, SESTA, Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act. So, again, another thing here. They're trying to stop human trafficking or sex trafficking, but... The big mistake there is that they're trying to—they're they're basically conflating uh, consensual sex work. So you know, things that we are choosing to do—we are choosing to do this work with exploited persons, uh, and that is always on their political agenda. Yeah, they just loop us in with people that are exploitive, and that politicians
0: is, love that word. Come, uh, what do you call it? They love it when they're running.
1: Yeah. For office. Um, yes. Campaigning. Yes, campaigning. I was like, what's that word? Oh, boy. <laughs> we need more coffee. Two coffees, yeah. They <laughs> clearly
0: are not working.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's always That's like That's an a emotionally hot, charged fuzzy. word. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really problematic because, again, uh, no one's consulting with us. <laughs> um, no one's ever spoken to any sex workers about this kind of stuff. And
0: even to ask who's – there is a huge, huge difference between um, where we are right now, very close to at least East Van, uh-huh. where there's – you know, women who are clearly being exploited. There's drug abuse. There's, I mean, yeah. it's that is a street walking in that regard is a far cry from these other avenues. And you want to lump them all together? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, but you also be you know have to be that. careful with that too, because a lot of outdoor sex workers don't have a choice in terms of like it's survival sex work for them. Right. Though too. So they are like that is the only work that they can do for a considerable amount of money. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful in terms of like not eliminating those people and limiting those voices, because they're still very much a part of our community and are also going through really shitty circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, in terms of progress, right now the Canadian Alliance for Sex Workers is trying to unravel and challenge Bill C-36. Because that has been in place for a long time and it's severely outdated, and they're actually deeming that as unconstitutional. Oh, okay. Yes. So that is, but of course, with any kind of like law and
0: that's going to take a while
1: forever. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know, it's going to take a while. Like
0: constitutional, that's going to take a while. Yeah.
1: Yes. So they've started working on that since I want to say end of twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, but there is progress in that front. So try to be hopeful. And there's a lot of people within the alliance, a lot of um, non-profit organizations that help benefit and support sex workers that are behind that. I think it's about 40 groups across Canada that are really trying to push for this. So I could speak to that at least um, in terms of like, okay, we're hopefully going to get somewhere, but again, we don't know how long it's going to take because that stuff takes forever. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I might be backtracking a little bit, but I, th- I still think it's sort of in the same vein, because um, I just conversation moved away from it, but I just want to quickly bring it back because I was sure. curious about it. Um, so when you were saying like, just the, the sugar baby aspect of it, um, how so much of it is in exchange for sex, sexual acts, yeah. um, and, and just that plain a term, uh, which I, you know, I always thought that was escorting.
1: Yeah, but, okay, yes, yeah, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, so you already know where I'm going, yeah. So what, yeah.
1: What's the difference?
0: What's the difference? Is there a difference? I mean, obviously there's two words. Yeah. Or, you know.
1: At this point in my life, I would say that sugar babying, and this is my, okay, my personal Because that opinion. gets,
0: that's in that's in the public sphere. That yeah. word, more so now. Escorting. Escorting, I haven't even heard that other than me. Oh, wow. Um, really in a while. But sugar yeah. baby gets thrown out all the time.
1: Yeah. I will say both sugaring and escorting is under the umbrella of full-service sex work. Full-service meaning you're having full-on sex with your client. Um, The distinction between the two, and this is my own personal opinion, Mm -hmm. sugar babying is escorting at a way lower rate, more emotional baggage and labor and um, manipulation in my opinion. Then escorting. Then escorting. Okay. So what I mean by that is again, going back to our conversation about, you know, they're targeting really young women. Right. Uh that and I I can speak from experience, not having any boundaries, not knowing how to say no, not knowing anything about establishing rates, mm-hmm. what that might be. A lot of people are really just like underselling themselves. Right. You know, they they I didn't know what the hell a good rate was. Like, I don't know what's good. Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. how to negotiate. Um, I didn't know what kind of terms to include. I didn't know I could say no. Um, and with all my escorting friends and full-service sex worker friends, like, they know how to set their rates. They have boundaries in place. They have prevention of measures and conduct background checks and um, obtain deposits, security deposits from their clients and stuff, too. None of that happens. Or very rarely maybe they're smarter now I, I can't speak on that but me 10 years ago not doing any of that well,
0: that's very businesslike yeah that's very yes even you rattling that off I'm like that's impressive yeah no, that's good yeah and you
1: have to do it for your own safety because there's so many um bouts of like sexual assault that happens amongst sugar, my sugar baby peers and during that time we'd hear stories and stuff too and it's just awful when that happens but because these men know how to manipulate and exploit these women these really young women it's can be really really dangerous in that aspect
0: I've always wondered that because um, I mean and I think like most people uh, where where do you get your knowledge base for these types of work? Oh Law gosh. and Order, CSI, right? <laughs> yeah. Dateline, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. A little Narcos, throw that in there, right? <laughs> um, so you're getting it from from Hollywood, which is not. I mean, okay, maybe based on reality, but what? It's Hollywood. This is yeah. Fairy Blood tale. Abortion, yeah. You sensationalized. Know. Of course.
1: Um, but yeah, like back in the day when I was sugar babying, there weren't any resources. There weren't any blogs. Podcasts like mine didn't exist back then. Right. No one really wanted to speak about sex work because it's, like, highly frowned upon, still highly frowned upon and stigmatized. Mm-hmm. But there was no one wanting to speak about this. And there was a lot of gatekeeping back in the day, too, in terms of, like, people not wanting to share information and okay. stuff and wanting to protect their own assets and, like, their um, their clients and their regulars and whatnot. So I feel nowadays it's the opposite. There's a lot of okay. information available... There's, yes, podcasts like mine. There's a lot of blogs and stuff like that that's readily available and free. But yeah, back right. then there wasn't anything.
0: That makes sense though, because I mean, that's reflective of more of an underground
1: yeah. aspect,
0: whereas now it's the culture's changed because it's, yes, it's, it's got room to breathe. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's shifted a lot, so it's really good to see that kind of being out in the forefront a bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's changed a lot at right. least, yeah.
0: We're doing good on time, um, but I kind of want to, with the rest of the time that we have, because there's a couple of <laughs> things I, re- I really want to get into. Thanks
1: so much. Um, yeah, because there's no,
0: I mean, we're doing pretty good job, pretty damn good job covering a lot of different <laughs> things, which is great. Um, I had a, a personal story that I'll, I'll, maybe we'll do that after, because it's not, it's not the most happy thing. Actually, no, let's do that now. We'll end on the happy thing. So I want to talk, we'll end with... Um, I want to talk about your experience with the AVN because we, oh, yeah, we mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, I kinda just really want to know about it, how that was. That's so, so cool. For sure. um, so we'll end with the happy note. So kind of go for a bit of a... Yeah, whatever. It's annoying. Um, so this, this has been bugging me lately. And uh, I wasn't really sure uh, where to bring it up. But I'm like, ah, this might be an okay podcast topic yeah. actually because it's also related to some of the guests that you've had yeah. um, on your podcast. So I'm just kind of... And I think for the listeners, too, it'll be good because uh, talking about domestic abuse.
1: Uh-huh. Um, Trigger warning.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's something that everybody has. I, and the statistics on it are so shocking. Um, and it's truly like this really, you can say this, that we all are in contact and are unaware or are aware and directly in contact with people who are suffering from this. Yes. From some type of domestic abuse. Right. Whether it be physical, emotional, psychological, financial, pet abuse, um, I had my okay. professor come on, uh, Dr. Melissa Hamilton, cool. for people who want to go back to season one. She was on twice, um, my domestic violence um, module leader, so we really got into the to the d- uh, descriptors on on this. But just to bring it up now, so. I, I gave you the details off the air, so you know. Um, so just I got to be vague for the purpose of being on the air right now. So it was a, fr- a friend of mine, girl, who um, I met her uh, kind of later on in my university life. So I didn't really know her for all that long. When I met her, she was with a guy who I right away I'm like, this guy's a piece of shit. Um, he's he's a, what I would consider and I identified pretty quickly as being abusive. And I think there's a difference, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, like we were joking even, like, well, w- what do you classify as porn? And it's like, you know it when you see it, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, the, the <laughs> moniker, right? I think that was actually an American judge who first said that. Um, it was in some type of case. I'm like, that's pretty good. I like that. You, you just, you know it when you see it. And I think ab- abuse as well, um, per- I mean, if it's, n- physical is much more cut and dry, but <clears throat> dealing with more nuanced, uh, verbal, psychological, emotional um I feel like that's also one of those things where, like, oh, I, think, I think you just know it when you see it. It gets that gut instinct going and kind of yeah. tells you, hmm. But does it
1: feel right? Yeah.
0: And, and right. I think there's a difference as well. Like, I knew a couple in high school who were just so bad with each other and to each other, but they weren't abusive. Yeah. They just weren't good. They just did not bring the best of each other. They brought the worst, right? Um, but <laughs> and it, that's ne- different. And that is different. It's yes. like you know, you two should just break up. This is yes. just not good. But not good. <laughs> but I wouldn't. Cla- I certainly would not have classified it as abusive. Long-winded. But with this particular couple, I'm like, no, this is abusive. I would say this. Is, I mean, this guy's an, an absolute piece of work um, yeah. towards her, which sucked. Um, so whatever. I mean. You know, you're in a situation where how, as a friend, um, and even not as a friend, even just as a, a passerby, do you say something? How do you say something? What what do you do in that situation? But whatever, life goes on. COVID happens, and to my knowledge, they were together for a very long time. Like most abuse and abuse victims and their abusers right? Trapped inside and the rate of domestic violence skyrocketed over COVID, you know, it was the underlying pandemic, um, which was heartbreaking. And so I didn't see her for a long time. And then I saw her again. And when I saw her, I'm like, holy shit, this situation deteriorated rapidly. Um, the, 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 what I would have considered likely abuse, but kind of closer to the line, then when I saw them again, I'm like, this is way down the line. I mean, this is like cut and dry, like you're a scumbag. And it's taken everything in me not to break your face because it's just like all the anger and all the protective instincts that I have to just smash your face. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to bury it and just like bury it, don't, don't, you know? Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah, it would have, it would have been ugly, yeah, it would have been <laughs> ugly. Um, And I guess kind of what's been bothering me about it is because I didn't do anything. And I wanted to. I didn't know what to do. I asked, like, multiple friends who I could trust. Several of them were girls themselves, women themselves. So I'm like, give me that female perspective, right? Like, I'm just a a guy, and my method of taking care of this is to, you know, bash this dude's face, you know? (laughs) And I guess it kind of brings up the question and, and w- yeah, what was bothering me about is that I, I feel guilty. I feel, um, and what, and I felt helpless. I felt helpless. Right. Um, but I, I couldn't really, you know, I, I, it's just, it's just the way it went. Yeah. So to stop me from rambling from your experiences talking about, um, cause you've had a number of guests who talk about their traumas, some of which were shocking. I, I mean, yeah. I was like, Oh my God, some people in their lives, like, how unfortunate that it's it's so unfair that people suffer (laughs) trauma, you know, to that severity. Um, I mean, suffering anything of any kind is, is terrible, but man, some of those were really extreme. Um, what are some things that you've learned, uh, just from speaking to these uh, guests in your podcast and even just in your own life, you know, workers or whoever they may be, um, just kind of Again, I'm not really sure. I just kind of felt the need to just sort of bring this up.
1: Totally. Um,
0: not necessarily solve my problem, but this is just a problem I've been having. It's just been bugging me lately, but I thought, oh, you know what? It's good to get a, just kind of put the conversation out there a little bit. But, totally. Yeah, just kind of curious about your, your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely had a lot of guests on the show that have shared their trauma with me. Like, for example, one of the guests that I had on the show Was trafficked by Andrew Tate. That was a huge thing that we didn't actually mention that on the show. Oh, yes. But that was a crazy episode. I've had other people that have gone and trapped in like MLMs and stuff like that. MLM? Like multi level marketing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like cult cult like (laughs) behavior and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. So for myself, I think that active listening is really important. Yeah and just allowing them to tell their story and to understand that their stories are completely valid because there's a lot of people. For example, I had another episode on, like, human trafficking, and <clears throat> my guest was trafficked, but then a lot of people think that trafficking is just like the movie Taken, where you, like...
0: <laughs> right, yeah. It is it's not. violent <laughs> and, like, really overt.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. like, people, again, just have this one understanding from movies, from media and stuff like that, um, but there's so many different aspects of trafficking that can be a thing. And right now that I what I'm seeing in the trend is now is like women getting pimped out, um, and these abusers pretending to be their boyfriends or getting involved yeah. in relationships and them being forced to do things on camera or camming and stuff like that or Yeah, they're just know, a pimp. Yeah. They're really just a pimp yeah. who's
0: dating Yeah, that's true. That is true. And a
1: lot of folks um, try to dispel the story, saying, well, actually, you weren't exactly trafficked because you weren't transported from point A to point B. Right. And I've seen these on so many podcasts, like Instagrams, too, because I I stole one of the guests on one of the shows that I listened to because I was so mad at seeing all the comments saying, okay, this this episode wasn't great because that person wasn't actually trafficked and just says who
0: says you in the comments, give me a break. Yeah.
1: So that is really infuriating. So for myself really just allowing for people to share their stories because like these are firsthand accounts. These people have gone through so much trauma Mm -hmm. and psychological manipulation. That's just like, they need, they're, they're trying to get their story out so this doesn't happen to anyone else. So for myself, like as a podcast host, just giving them the space, Providing that um, safe space for them to, you know, share their story is really, really important. And also just to, yeah, ensure for them that this is valid and actually take them seriously, not judge them for it. Because it takes a huge amount of courage to come forward with stories like like these and for people to dispel that and re-victimize them in a different way saying that this isn't true or whatever it is like is a huge disservice and so disrespectful Mm -hmm. so disrespectful so that's kind of my hot take on that in terms of like what i would do in these kind of situations and also just if you know of any um uh like therapists that you know of or can recommend any resources that may be able to help them. That's also, I think, helpful for them. And just knowing that you you're a, they're able to come to you to speak about this kind of stuff because sometimes people feel very isolated in these yeah. situations. And, well, and that's what an abuser does, right? They're, they're oh, going to yeah. isolate you so
0: that even if you want to try and get help, you can't you can. or you feel you can't.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. They want to make yeah, you, you believe you can't. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's really important for us to allow for the space um, and create the space for these folks that have suffered so much because it's, it's hard. I, I can't even imagine. I, ca- I can't even empathize with them because it's just, I, I just don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. Yeah, You know, so it's hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a frustrating thing because even I was even thinking, I'm like, even for me to say anything, I don't think she thought... I mean, I have it on good authority um, that uh, she does not think, or she's so um, down the rabbit hole of uh, her per- Yeah, her perception is so altered that, um, yeah, there's no way to kind of break. And, and the problem is, is you can't, you can't crack that nut. It has no, to break from the, the inside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's really hard too, because like they've been conditioned that's so yeah. strongly to be like, okay, I don't deserve anything yeah. better than this person. Yeah. And... I don't need help because this is a completely normal situation. This is fine. Everything's fine. But if I'm an outsider looking in, you're like, this is not fine. This is far from fine. And it's just like heartbreaking, frustrating, and like makes me so angry when I bear witness to those situations because like you want to help them. And I can can hear your voice, I can see your body looking at I'm
0: keeping it contained. It really, fuck,
1: man. Yeah, I I can't even imagine. Like, it's, it's hard. It's
0: difficult, yeah. Yeah. And, and just kind of like an anecdotal thing was sort of interesting, like from uh, like high school age to about 21 and then 21 onwards, I've again, purely anecdotal. Um, and also considering that, the, like even the, the level of uh, physical abuse that occurs, I've never seen it or come across it, but the statistics are like, it's been around. I've just have never yeah. seen it. So that's the anecdotal, you know, disclaimer there. But the law observation that I've had sort of in the younger years, I noticed relationships, the trend or, or you know, balance, I would notice more often it would be um, a good guy with a bad woman. Huh. I noticed that. And then more recently I've noticed the flip where it's re- great women with these horrible, terrible guys. So again, that's purely anecdotal and, and the statistics on that, like the objective statistics are different than my anecdotal evidence, but I've just, that's sort of a trend that I've noticed where I'm like, this is odd. It's odd.
1: I wonder like how, and significant,
0: how skewed that might
1: be though, because like, especially when, if it's men being abused by women, how often do those men come forward and actually say that they are, and it's
0: different type of abuse. Totally. It's different. You know, women manifest aggression differently than men. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. the way it's just differences. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot easier. It's, it's, it's difficult to hide a black eye, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah. you can hide being belittled and, you yeah. know, uh, those type of emotional scars. Side, yeah. Though. Those you put on a smile, you're good to go. Yeah. Right. So I'm it's fine. I'm okay. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. So it's gosh. different, but, uh, Anyway, we'll switch gears to end the podcast on some happy things. But yeah, I just, I just kind of felt the need to throw it out there. I just, um, I'm like, no, I think, I think you'd be a good guest to sort of bring this up with, um, cause at least it related to your podcast. But, totally. um, anyway, switching gears, happy times. Happy um, times. Yes. So we mentioned at the beginning, your podcast was nominated for an AVN. So yes. cool. Uh, I just really want to hear about that experience.
1: Well, that was wild. So
0: and uh, unexpected.
1: And unexpected. I'm,
0: always I'm, fantastic.
1: I'm still shocked and humbled yeah. that that even happened. So, yeah, it was December um, of last year, so December 2022. Um, I knew that the AVNs were coming in January. So it's always a big time. January is always like award season in the adult industry, mm-hmm. and I had no intentions of going to any adult industry related events. For have you Have you ever been? I did go to one last year. It's called the Why Not Reunion. Why Not is uh, another adult platform company okay. um, that I did like a B2B conference for them just to like learn more things about what's happening in the industry and whatnot. Um, Expos is another big one that happens in a few times a year in LA and Miami, which I'm going to and Berlin. Ooh, cool. But yeah, there's a, a lot of industry events that yeah. happen throughout the year. AVN, including in that conversation, cause it's huge. It's a huge convention. If you don't know what That's AVN right, is, yeah. adult video network, it's basically and it's long
0: too. Isn't it like a it's week like or two? A week, yeah. yeah. It's something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, man, you wow. see those, they're into the porn star, Instagram accounts. I'm like, how long are they here? They're you know, there for right? it. Was funny, it's like but...
1: five crazy days of madness. But yes, yeah, so it was like what mid, December, early December, I can't remember, but one of the PR people that I work with, um, I got added at in a tweet saying, Congrats to Strip by Sia for their um, a- 2023 AVN nomination for Best Adult Podcast. And I'm just like, Wait, what? Chris <laughs> pump. yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, Excuse me, what? So I like look on the AVN website and my name is there and I'm just like, What is going on? This is wild. So cool. Um, huge category. But just so cool in the fact that like I was even nominated and included with amongst like so many podcasts that I look up to, I listen to on the daily. So I was like, wow, this is really surreal. It's actually happening. So so that happened, um, and that was really exciting. And then I was kind of on the fence because I was like, oh, should I attend? you were on the fence?
0: Oh, oh come Christ. on. I, oh, I would have pushed you over immediately. Go, go, go. is <laughs> awesome.
1: Well, it was like the very we, cool. it was right after Christmas and New Year's and I'm just like, oh, okay, dying so quick turn financially around. Yeah, of yeah. like the holidays and I'm like, oh my god, do I how much is it going to cost and stuff too cuz there's also a pretty penny that comes with attending a lot of these conventions and award shows and stuff like that. And that's a really a very real thing and it also happened the, the week of uh, consumer electronics convention okay. so like the hotel prices were just like out oh, of control oh yeah of course but yeah. of course yeah <laughs> but scam of
0: course. scam it's
1: so scam. <laughs> so that happened but in the end i decided to go got a flight out there went for like arrived on the friday left on the sunday basically i was there okay. for like 36 hours right which was crazy but it was really cool and I kind of documented my experience in like a bonus episode that I did because okay. I just was like I feel very overwhelmed coming here by myself like I don't and know it's, what to expect
0: from from what I've seen through social media it seems like a very overstimulating environment yes
1: yeah. it's really crazy <laughs> it's wild it's like over the top like there's music there's all these djs everywhere there's so many lights so many ring lights because there's so many of these like adult platforms and subscription platforms right. that you know the, the cam models that are there are just like streaming live and stuff and then you're like uh you're in the presence of all these major 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 yeah. porn stars and talent and stuff as well and just a uh, huge huge adult um production agencies like browsers and like uh let's do it and stuff like that so there's like a lot of things going on a lot so i went to the convention and there's also the internet expo which is in alignment with avian but that's more on the b2b side so i went to okay. go attend some of those seminars and um, some of the talks that they had as well and then yeah the uh, awards were crazy (laughs) I completely fucked up and missed the red carpet part because okay I forgot to pick up my ticket the day oh no I know because they gave us um you get sent like a like a in your apple wallet like all those like QR codes like that is your ticket or what I thought yeah was my ticket for the awards and it wasn't because you had to pick up a physical ticket like the day of before 2 p.m etc and I was I forgot, and then I'm just looking looking at my stories, and then I'm seeing like all my peers like on the red carpet like at that moment.
0: And right. Yeah. I yeah. Like, uh like,
1: Yeah, and my heart just started like pumping really fast, and I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, what? Okay. Oh, I, I like totally screwed up, and I started reading the fine print on my ticket. Anyways, I basically did not do my hair. I did five minutes for makeup hopped into Uber, crying, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad, and i was like, "Why happens you don't let me in, I don't have a ticket, I'm going to be so embarrassed, like, this whole reason I came here is for the award show, yep. um, and anyways, I get there, jump through hoops to get in and figure out the ticket situation, be like, oh no, it's fine, I'm like, I'm nominated, like, I'm nominated, I'm, I'm part of the show, and all this stuff, anyways, I, I made my way in, it was fine, and the award ceremony itself was just, like, really cool. It's basically – the Avian Awards, how I would describe it, is like the Grammys or the Oscars of yeah. porn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's the, That's the biggest one,
1: right? <laughs> I would definitely say it's the biggest one. There, there yeah. are other um, awards So I think it's XBiz? XBiz has their awards that same month in January. There's also uh, – depending on what area of uh, the adult industry you're in, there's also the right. – why Not Community Awards in October which is now moved to August and there's also the Trans Erotica Awards that's actually happening at the time of recording right now okay. as well I think it's tomorrow but yeah there's a lot of different awards shows and stuff you can go to but Avian's definitely the biggest one for sure and it's like the lights uh, the gowns, the sparkle like everything is really very surreal very surreal and of course the podcast category was the very last category yeah, <laughs> of the night. You got,
0: well, at least you got to sit through the whole thing.
1: But no, it was cool. Like, they had Kalani come up uh, as their musical guest. They had another musical guest I can't remember the name of. But it was really cool. And there was a lot of interesting production and celebration as well. Um, and historical wins that happened that night. They had, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name now. But they had the first black uh adult performer for women win the award for like best female performer of the year which is really cool to see that it was really cool to see um more more trans inclusivity embedded into the award show as well and also um opening up the space for independent creators as well that was also like really interesting to see because a lot of times they focus on adult production major production um mainstream kind of talent. But right now in this space we're seeing a lot of focus on independent creators and people that are doing their own stuff and OnlyFans or whatever. So it's it was really a, a very, very cool, well done experience and I had the time of my life there. It was awesome.
0: Oh, and we're happy to hear it. And your podcast is great. I mean I, I I'm happy now that I know about it, so I'll be able to I'll be able to listen to more but um and that's kind of A good place to stop for today. Perfect timing. A few (laughs) minutes to spare because I know you got to go. But just want to say thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you. Lovely to have you on the air. Likewise. And uh, hopefully (laughs) we'll uh, do this again soon.
1: Totally. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. So weird to be on this side of the mic, but I had such a great conversation. It's great. Thank you.
0: Thank you.